You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Y'all go ahead and grab a seat. Man, was that, was that an awesome time of worship? Yeah. Can we just tell them thank you for leading us? Absolutely. You know, I love what, what David said earlier. It's so true about this time of year. Um, it's an awesome time of year, but I think for some people it is. It's, it, it can be a really, it can be a tough season for all kinds of reasons. And we tend to come to, to Christmas with, with so many expectations, right? Things that we're kind of looking for to, to get out of Christmas. And that's not necessarily wrong. Like it's, it's, it's good to live life with expectation. I think for, for some of us, maybe some of those expectations are wrapped up in stuff, right? I watch the, uh, I can't remember who makes it, but there's a newer Grinch movie. It's my favorite, it's a cartoon movie. I can't think of who makes it. But um, at the end, after the Grinch steals everything, spoiler alert, sorry, but again, that's on you if you haven't seen it by now. But he steals everything and they're all, the kids are all upset and the mom says, he didn't steal Christmas, he just stole stuff, right? It was easy for us to, to kind of get wrapped up in stuff this time of year. And it's not just kids, right? All of us can tend to, to want things. You have, you have your list of things that you're, you're hoping for. Um, I think for some of us, maybe your expectations are wrapped up in kind of this emotional hype or a, a, this emotional longing. So doesn't it just seem like at Christmas, everything should just go right? It just should, shouldn't it? That's why I have a buddy that every time I talk to him on the phone, he's driving and he's going, I say every time, it's, it's happened like four out of five times the past couple of weeks. Every time I call him, he's in his Jeep and he's going to Starbucks to get some sort of latte. He's like, it's Christmas time. It just seems right. But he, he's looking for this kind of emotional, like feel good. And he finds his emotional feel good in a latte from Starbucks, which like, that's great, man. Do your thing, right? But, but we're looking for this, um, Fulfillment. I think that's why, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes the day after Christmas, which this year happens to be a Sunday, so there'll be a great Sunday, but the day after Christmas can kind of feel like a letdown, can it? Like there's even, even I feel like, I don't know when, how you do things at your house, but like if you do, if all your Christmas like um, tradition is in the morning, even by Christmas night, it kind of feel like, well, 364 days, right? Or whatever it is, it kind of just let down. I think for, for a lot of us, it, Christmas expectation is wrapped up in, in this relational hope, this, this relationship expectation. So for some of you, maybe you're like my wife and I, you're gonna see uh, family maybe for the first time and the only time this year, and that's just kind of when you see each other. And so you, you're hoping that everybody is in a good mood because this is your one shot to get it right until next year, right? So everybody's gotta be in their best mood. Um, maybe for some of you, it's tough because you, it'll be your first Christmas without someone that you love dearly, one of your family members or even, even a close friend. So we have all these expectations and when we place all of our hope all of our joy and those expectations, which again is, is very human. That's not like, it's just, it's kind of natural. Don't think you're crazy if you do that, you're normal. But the problem is everything has to line up just perfectly 
for Christmas to be a success if that's where your hope is, right? You've got to get the perfect gift. You've got to listen to all the right songs leading up to Christmas to get you in the right mood, right? You've been telling people don't play Christmas music until it's time because you want to perfectly get the emotions, right? And you're getting all your lattes just right to get the emotions, to get the caffeine rush. And then you're hoping that all your, your, your in-laws and your cousins and your nieces and nephews and your siblings, they're on a good mood so that Christmas can be just right. And the problem is that rarely works out, correct? It doesn't normally work out in this perfect situation. There's got to be a better way, right? There's got to be a, a better place to place our hope of longing and desire than in stuff or emotion or, or relationship, right? There's, there's got to be more to it. But the good news is there is. There is more to it. And we actually, if we, if we look back at what you could call the, the first Christmas when Christ was born and, and even the days following that, we can kind of get a glimpse of what Christmas is actually about. Again, the stuff isn't wrong, the emotions isn't wrong, the, the relationship aspect isn't wrong. But if that's what we're looking for, we're actually missed or, or, or are missing out on what Christ actually brought that first Christmas. Have you ever opened up, maybe when you were younger, I think, it, I think when you're younger, you just don't hide your face of how you feel even as a, an adult. But even as an adult, you ever go to open up a package and it's totally not what you're expecting. And you're like, as an adult, you're like, oh, great, right? But kids, what do they do? That's not what I wanted, right? They just tell you how it is. But I think we kind of have that sense, as, even as Christians, towards Christmas sometimes, because we're looking for the wrong thing. We're expecting to open the wrong thing from Christmas. It's not what Christ actually brought. So I think the question you could say is, what did Jesus bring us? What did Jesus actually bring us with him coming and the celebration of Christmas. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter two, Luke chapter two. And if you don't have a Bible, the one that should be in the chair back in front of you is yours to keep, take it home. Merry Christmas. Luke chapter two, and we're going to be in verse uh, 25 here in a moment. Luke two. So this is where we're diving into this text. This is about 40 days since since the birth of Christ and eight days after he was born, they had him uh, as they did as good Jews and ceremonially, ceremonially and everything. They had him circumcised, but then 40 days after he was born, so really 33 days, wait, that's not if it was the eighth day, I guess it'd be 32 days after he was born. Um, they still have a few rituals to go through. And so they're going uh, to Jerusalem again, Mary and Joseph, and they're taking Jesus. So look with me at verse 25 of Luke 2. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God and said, so Simeon is talking to God. Now, master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. We're going to read some more of the text at the end of the message, but 
already we kind of have a glimpse of what Jesus brought. So to help us see what Jesus actually brought, we can look to Simeon, a godly man. What was he looking for in the Messiah? What was he expecting and longing for? And I think we have a, a picture of it in verse 25 where it says, he was looking forward to Israel's consolation. He was looking forward to what the prophets, even in Isaiah, 700 years before Christ, had prophesied that the Messiah would bring consolation. So here's the first thing we gotta see this morning from this text. Jesus brings comfort. Jesus brings comfort. That's what consolation means. It means comfort, encouragement, relief. That's what Jesus brings. Is that good news? Yes, he brings this consolation. Again, it was something that the people of God had longed for for hundreds, even thousands of years, longing that God would bring what you could call even just kind of reword the, the hymn, comfort on earth, to bring some relief in this broken world. And Simeon recognized that the Messiah, Jesus as the Messiah was the one long promised to actually bring comfort. There's a really cool passage in Hebrews. We're gonna put it on the screen. You don't have to turn there. But in Hebrews chapter four, that I think helps us kind of have a glimpse of what, how Christ comforts. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, I think one of the coolest ways that Jesus brings comfort as the Messiah, that he, he consoles us, he brings relief, is that Jesus, because he, he, God the Son came to earth and faced the temptations we face, faced the struggles that we face, he can empathize with us. Aren't you glad for that? We don't just worship some, some distant God who has no idea what it is to suffer and no idea what it is to struggle. No, Jesus knows. You wanna talk about pain. Jesus was nailed to a cross for our sin. Jesus knows about pain. He knows about being left behind. He knows about betrayal. And because he knows about those things, Jesus is better able than anyone to bring us comfort in our time of need. He knows what it is to struggle. He knows what it is to be tempted. That's why I love, when we think about Christmas, we say it's Emmanuel, God with, God with us. The fact that the idea that God is with us, not just so we can pal around and hang out, no. Like the Psalms say, he longs to be, he is near to the brokenhearted. Why is Jesus Emmanuel, God with us? Because he wants to comfort us to be near to us in our hardship in this broken, sinful, messed up world. I think about another, it's not on the screen, but another passage in Hebrews, I think it's chapter two, that the author of Hebrews says, we, we don't see everything made right yet in this world. It's a broken world. So like, if you're looking for hope and comfort in this world, and you're going out and you're watching the news, you're like walking throughout your day at school or at work or amongst family members, and you're looking for, for hope, for comfort in, comfort in those situations, you're not gonna find it. He says, we don't see it there. But he says, we do see Jesus. He's saying, look, you're not gonna find comfort in this world, but we find comfort in Jesus and we look to him. I think that's why Paul in Romans 7 one of my favorite passages, I, I mention it frequently. Paul in Romans 7, he, he's talking about his inward struggle of how he, in his flesh, he has this 
or because he's still on this earth, but he's a believer in Christ, he has this inward battle between his flesh and the spirit of God within him. And so he says, the things I want to do that I should do because God has told me to do them. He says, I don't do those things because I'm broken and have this war inside. And then the things I don't wanna do because I know they're sinful and wrong, I end up doing those things because of this war inside me. There's no hope, there's no comfort for me on my own. But then he says, praise be to God. Who can rescue me from this wretched body? Praise be to who? To Jesus. That's where he finds relief and comfort and consolation. Not in his own ability to save himself, but in what Christ has done for him. There is comfort in Jesus Christ. How many of us, this, this Christmas, for example, we're looking to all these different things to find comfort? Or maybe, maybe you're not even looking for comfort. You're just, you're just hoping that this time of year kind of fixes something inside of you. And all the while Jesus is offering you what you don't even, don't even know that you need. And that is comfort. Comfort. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Comfort. Jesus brings us comfort. I don't know what you're looking for this Christmas, but if you're looking for comfort, look no further than Jesus Christ. You know, one of the greatest ways we know Jesus brings us comfort is because Jesus came to meet our greatest need. Look briefly back at the text. Look at verse 30, as Simeon, think about this. He's holding baby Jesus in his arms. That's a pretty cool privilege, right? (laughs) To hold baby Jesus. And he says, verse 30, as he's looking, keep this in mind, as he's looking at Jesus, he's talking to God the Father. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. What's the second thing we see in this text that Jesus brings us, he gives us is this, real simply, Jesus brings us salvation. Jesus brings salvation. Jesus was born to bear our sin, amen? That's why he was born. The, the like very kind of often used phrase, he was born to die. We see that this time of year. Jesus was born to bear our sin. That's why when Simeon looks at Jesus as he's holding him, he says, my eyes have seen your salvation because Simeon realizes he knows that as Jesus is the Messiah, God the Son is the Messiah, that this is God's plan of salvation. He's holding the one who will provide salvation for the world. He says, you've prepared it in the presence of all people. So Simeon knows that the plan of salvation brought to fruition in Jesus Christ had been planned for thousands of years, really from eternity past before the creation of the world was, had even happened. He says, you prepared it in the presence of all peoples. So who is salvation for? Is it just for the rich people or the poor people or the, or the people who have it together or the religious people? Who is salvation for? What does it say? All peoples, for everybody. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles. So he's saying that Gentiles there, those who weren't Jews, those who were 
especially in Jewish mind, uh, not a part of the people of God. They were walking in darkness, lost, confused, no hope. But he's saying because of Jesus, they now see the light of salvation. Those who were once far and distant from God can be brought close. Those who once were in the darkness and groping about trying to find their way can now see clearly because of Jesus. And he says, and glory, so Jesus is a glory to your people, Israel. I love the, the New American Standard version of this, where it says, it is the glory of Israel. The idea being that Jesus is the climax of the plan of salvation from God. Like it, it's all about Jesus. So it, it brings glory to God and even to Israel because it shows Jesus is the savior of the world. He brings salvation. Jesus met our need by dying on a cross, Jesus was born to bear our sin. Think about that. God, the son, the word of God, who has existed forever, says he holds the universe together by the power of his word. Jesus was born. Whew. We should never get over that. That God the Son put on flesh and blood and came to this world to be born in a stanky manger. No top medical team around him to make sure the birth was just right. No, it's him and Mary and Joseph and some animals. And eventually some wise men and shepherds, they get there later, right? <laughs> Jesus was born, because he was born, he faced the pain and the struggle of this world that you and I face. Jesus knows what it is to have a sleepless night. He knows what it is to hit your hammer with a thumb. He probably didn't say a cuss word. I'm sure he didn't say a cuss word when he did it, right? <laughs> Jesus knows what it is to struggle, to sweat. Jesus was born to bear our sin. The whole point of him coming was to live the perfect life, the life that you and I could never live, but we're supposed to, but then die the death that we deserve. So when he picked up that cross, he was doing it to pick up your sin, to pick up your burden, your shame that you carry because of your sin, because of my sin. And he was nailed to that cross and died on that cross because we are wretched sinners in need of salvation. He did it for you, he did it for me. And three days later, he rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave, amen? Because of that, we have salvation. It's a gift we couldn't earn on our own. Jesus was born to bear our sin. One of my favorite passages that kind of unpacks salvation is this. It's, you don't have to turn there, we'll have it on the screen. It's Ephesians 2. Oh, we've got a couple of slides because it's a long one, but this is 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in your trespasses, in sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. So he's saying, he's talking to believers. He's saying, all of you, all of us who are in Christ, before God saved us, we were walking in the ways of this world. And actually the devil was the one we were following. Oh, so you, some of us, like you have this testimony if you grew up in church, you know, I, I really wasn't that bad. Well, according to scripture, before God saved you, you were following Satan. So maybe we should rethink that phrase, right? Like I was a good church kid who also followed Satan. Like that's, that's what we're actually should be saying. 
We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. We'll keep going. But God, so think about how evil messed up we were. Enemies of God says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also, so man, I, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, yeah, I don't wanna chase too many rabbits. So the idea is not that like, you were kind of drowning and God like threw you the, the life jacket and you kind of swam in. No, like he dove in the water, saved you, gave you CPR to revive you, right? Because you're dead and hopeless apart from him. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Before we go to the next slides, oh, sorry. You're too quick, Josh, you're too quick, you're too good, man. Um, Think about that, so that, so he saved us so that in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Why did, so sometimes we say, man, why did God save me? And Jesus is saying to this text, I saved you so that for eternity, I can show you how awesome I am, how much grace and how much, how much goodness I wanted to bestow on you, Whew, right? What a gift. Well, uh, now next slide, sorry about that, Josh. For you are saved by grace through faith. It's not from yourselves, it is God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Jesus brings us salvation. The book of Micah says that Jesus God has cast our sins to the bottom of the sea. All the wretched, messed up, nasty, you name it, stuff you've done that I've done, that we tend to want it in our mind, go and pull back up and feel guilty about. Jesus says, no, I saved you. Those are at the bottom of the sea. Psalms say that he's cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? They'll never meet again. the gift of salvation, it's, it's grace. God did for you and I what we could never do on our own or never would have had the sense to do on our own. Jesus brings us salvation. What do we do with that? I mean, when we, we, we relay that. We tell other people the good news of Jesus Christ. If there was ever a time to love the lost and share the good news of Jesus, the gift of Jesus, Christmas time is a good time to do that, amen? To share about his goodness. We, we don't just relay it, we rejoice in it. Man, we have a reason to sing joy to the world, right? Yes, life may not be perfect, just like we said in Hebrews 2. We may not see everything lined up perfectly yet, but we do see Jesus and there's reason to rejoice in him. But you know what we also do with this gift of salvation? We rest in it. We rest. So when you see that he's brought you salvation, you can Rest. When you rest, you have, when you rest in the salvation of God, you have the peace of God. Look real quick back at the text. If you look at verse 30, he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. So he's, he's basing what he said in verse 29. He's saying what he's gonna say in verse, or what he previously 
sorry, previously said in verse 29, he's founding that on, rooting that on, basing that on, that he's seen God's salvation. So what does he say in verse 29? He says, now master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. So he's saying to Simeon says, he's holding Jesus, God, the son. He's saying, I've seen your salvation. And if you kind of reverse engineer, he's saying, that's why I can go in peace. I can live the rest of my days in peace. So our third and final thing we've got to see this morning. Of all the things we may want for Christmas and want out of Christmas, what does Jesus bring us? Jesus brings peace. Does our world need peace? Yeah. Do you need peace? Yeah. No, I do. I mean, we, how many of us, I don't know how many conversations I have with people. Like, there's so much anxiety and struggle and worry in our world. But if you look at the, the, dim, the example of Simeon, and he's seen the salvation of God in Jesus, and he says, I can live my days in peace. I can rest knowing that God is a gracious, good, merciful God who has met my needs. Everything I could ever want or need, God's gonna provide it. He's a gracious father. I can live in peace. And we've looked at a lot of verses. I wanna look at one final one this morning. This is in Romans 8. Paul says, what then shall shall we say about these things? So he's, been unpacking the gospel for like eight chapters at this point. What are we gonna say about this? He says, if God is for us, who is against us? Who can be against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. So he said, he's looking at the coming of Jesus, that Jesus came to this earth, was born to bear our sin. Paul's looking at that and, and that fact. If God gave us Jesus, Clearly he is for us, amen? When we celebrate Christmas, we're not just celebrating, oh, cute little baby, I wanna hold him. No, we're celebrating God the Son came to rescue us and save us, God meeting our greatest need. So if God can do that, if he was willing to do that, who can be against us? What, what, can, what can cause us stress and anxiety? Because clearly God is for us. To continue in verse 32, how will he not also with him grant us everything? So if he gave us Jesus, how can we worry that he, he won't give us everything else we need? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. One more slide, I think it is. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And the implied answer is no, nothing. As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. There's a little more, sorry, I spoke too soon. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor present things, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And when you live with that mindset, you can live with peace, amen? Christ has met my greatest need and nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing, absolutely nothing can, can pull me away from the love of God displayed for me on the cross of Jesus Christ. 
So what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. We have peace with God. Peace. Again, I don't know what, what you're looking for, expecting this Christmas. But he's given us peace. Salvation. Comfort. You know, a lot of the things that we'll, we'll get at Christmas time uh, will, not a lot, all of them, will fade out, right? Or um, you'll just get tired of them. Like how many of you, I don't know when Austin asked the question or like one of your favorite things about Christmas time, maybe some of you mentioned like an old, like a toy you got when you were growing up. Like I remember um, I don't know if anybody can raise their hand and, and like you had the same experience. I remember getting a Red Ryder BB gun. Anybody? Red Ryder BB gun? Yeah, like the whole movie, you'll shoot your eye out thing. Um, I was so ecstatic about that moment. I remember going out Christmas day and shooting the pine tree in front of our house. Man, it, it, it was epic. I have no idea where that BB gun is now, right? Like zero idea. How many of you like, you can't remember what you got last Christmas. Maybe you asked for it again, right? Because like, you forgot you already have it. Remember relationships? Just to shoot straight with you? No pun intended. <laughs> relationships that maybe are gonna be mended this season. It's gonna be a great Christmas. If we're honest, because of this broken world, two months from now may struggle again. Um, an emotional high you may have on Christmas day because you get all the right food or emotional low if you have turkey, right? Like, like all those things come into play just right are gonna fade. And you're gonna look for the next emotional high at New Year's. Those things come and go. The gifts Jesus has given us of comfort and salvation and peace, just to name a few, those are as secure as the grave is empty. Amen? Nothing can take those away. They are ours forever, secured in Jesus Christ. So we can cling to them knowing nothing can strip them away. A lot of us are looking for something at Christmas, but we need to realize this year that all those some things are found in someone, his name is Jesus. All those some things we're looking for are really found in the king who made himself nothing, Jesus Christ. So fix your eyes on him. And we're gonna, in a moment, have a time to sing and, and respond. Um, but I want you to consider the last few verses of the text. I don't know why I closed my Bible, sorry. Psych! <laughs> I'm done, I promise. But I wanna read this last few verses. Verse 33, it says, his father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother, Mary, indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce, excuse me, pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Just to, to be quick, what, what is Simeon saying? He's referring to the cross. Your mother, Mary, your own soul will be pierced. This idea of like the pain and agony you're gonna see watching your son crucified but also that Jesus is, he's either the rock that you build your life on or he's the stone that you stumble over. It's kind of a common phrase through scripture. Either, either he's the bedrock of your life or 
you, you trip over him. But see, and it causes you harm. Because either you receive the free gift of salvation in Christ Jesus, or if you turn away from Christ, you're actually rejecting God's one plan of salvation. So, so Christmas time for the believer is a time of rejoicing that Christ has brought us comfort and salvation and peace. But Christmas time for those who don't know Christ should be a time of response. Of saying, hey, it's time to, to believe in Jesus. My only hope of salvation, my only hope of true lasting comfort and peace. And so in, in a minute, we're gonna sing um, a short medley of, of two songs. And there'll be some people down front. Uh, maybe that will, you just wanna pray with, or maybe... Um, as a believer, you just want to sing these songs and rejoice in what Christ has brought us this salvation as we celebrate Christmas, excuse me. But if you don't know Christ, let this be a time of response. And these people will be down front and they would love to talk to you about what it means to, to turn to Jesus, to, to simply receive his free gift of salvation by grace through faith, by turning from yourself and turning to Jesus for salvation. So I'm gonna give us just a, a brief moment to, to kind of pray and reflect and see what God may be putting on our hearts. Maybe in this brief moment of quiet you want to just kind of thank God for his gift that he's brought us and then we're going to stand and sing and respond as God leads us when I'm done praying in a second but I'll give you a moment just to be still and talk with the Lord we recognize that the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. That my words, the words of our culture that try to provide us hope and excitement, those all fade away. God, though, your word, words of scripture, stand forever. So God, we know we can, we can claim and trust that you have brought us comfort, salvation, peace. But I pray that believers this morning would just rejoice in those free gifts found in you. God, that those that don't know you, maybe it would just be bold enough to, to respond and maybe come and talk to someone this morning. God, I ask that as we sing these songs, you would stir our love for you as we are reminded of your love for us displayed on the cross. And even what began on a night a long time ago when you were born in a little old nasty manger. Would you fill us with gratitude as we sing? If y'all will, let's stand, let's sing, let's If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 